Eagles Nation, it is KB back for another episode of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Coming off a massive big time week one win against the New England Patriots, spoiling Tom Brady Day, and the Birds are 1-0 in back-to-back seasons. It's huge. Week one is one of those weeks where you never know what to expect because things are so unpredictable with the shortened preseason, guys not playing in the preseason. So the Eagles coming away with a 25-20 win over the Patriots is huge, and that means it's time for week two, which brings us to a short week, the NFL schedule makers screwing over the birds as we have Thursday night football as our home opener, the defending NFC champions, to kick off what may be a rivalry now against the Minnesota Vikings. The, the framework is there, and I talk about it with my good friend and friend of the program, Arif Hassan, who covers the Minnesota Vikings on his Substack, the Wide Left Substack. Uh, Arif has been a part of Eagles Enemies and our family here uh, of guests since the beginning of this show, so very excited to always talk Eagles Vikings with Arif. But before we get into the episode, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at UndergroundPHI, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI so you don't miss out on any Eagles content throughout the season this year and beyond. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311, Instagram and Threads at KBIZZLE11, and you can follow me on TikTok at KB Underground. Subscribe to the podcast feed. It is just the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast feed where you get Eagles enemies during the season. So go subscribe. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia. Leave a five-star rating and review. Let us know that you're listening to the show. It really does help us out big time to help the show grow. Helps Eagles enemies continue on as a mini uh, you know, side series that we do during football season. And it lets us do more dope stuff uh, to take things to new levels. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of Eagles Enemies every single week. You get full video episodes of every podcast on our network. Clips, live streams, original video content. It all goes down on our YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe. We're looking to get to 600 subscribers before the end of September. We're like halfway there. We're at 548 as of this recording. Uh, so let's make that happen. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And be sure to get your merch from our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. They're the best in the game. You're going to stand out at every Eagles game wearing your merch from PHI Apparel Company. Plus, you can get your Philly Dog shirt that was designed by yours truly and is one of the coolest shirts out there to support the birds. And if you're a Georgia Bulldogs fan, or if you just have that dog in you, get that shirt because it's absolute heat. And when you go to check out at phiapparel.co, use our code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. It's the most effective and direct way to support us in a monetary way. Uh, so if you want to support us, you want to rep, you know, rep fire merch, Go to PHI Apparel Company. When you get your merch, tag us, tweet at us. We want to see where you're rocking your merch from. Uh, we'll repost it everywhere. Tag PHI Apparel Company as well. But go to phiapparel.co and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. And now, let's get into Eagles Enemy Season 6, Episode 2 with Arif Hassan. 
All right, everybody, it's another episode of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. It is a short week for the Eagles because the NFL schedule makers slash script writers wanted the defending NFC champions to open up at home on Thursday night football to boost up Jeff Bezos's numbers. Uh, and what better way to kick off week two? Like it seems to be a tradition now every year than with the Minnesota Vikings, right. which means good friend of the program, Arif Hassan, joins us back on the show. Buddy, welcome back to Eagles Enemies, and uh, congrats on the new Substack journey. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. No, um, love to talk about Eagles Vikings early in the season, as has been, I think, all the way back to 2018, 2019, something yeah. like that, right? Oh, actually, they played Week Five, 2016. So yeah, yeah. It's it goes been, it's been going forever. <laughs> <laughs> it has become one of those like conference rivalries that. Vikings yeah. pop up on the schedule. It's like, okay, Eagles, Vikings, and then obviously got emphasis from the NFC Championship game in 2018. Yeah, well, but... I was I was just talking to uh, Ben Natan about this, about like whether or not the Vikings and Eagles are rivals. And it's like it's there, but it's like, you know, it's not as like intense, right, as some mm -hmm. of these other cross-division rivalries that exist, right? And I was wondering, like, because like the Vikings-Saints is just a really intense rivalry. And I was wondering, and I was like, I think the best way to put it is that there's like the tinderbox for a really great, rivalry here between the vikings and yeah. the eagles it's just like a couple of games go weird go sideways and it's perfect it's and there's so much rivalry. just like off the field history too between oh yeah the sam like, bradford trade jalen rager like right, what well, you go all the way to cunningham and carter right yeah. like there's a lot there yeah there's so much history between these two teams that like it feels yeah. like like you said like it's right there somebody just has to drop a match on this thing yeah and let yeah. it explode um we'll see another <laughs> another playoff yeah if if a playoff game just goes sideways it doesn't have to be a, a drubbing like it was last time could be that would be a big part of it but like something like it's like a last second like a hail mary type play but controversial because you know penalty wasn't called or something like that 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 sets it that's it, it's on the fast track I think that's and, what needs to happen. And then obviously the the famous tailgate video of the kid just yelling "Go Birds" yeah. in that Vikings fan's go face birds. as yeah. she's like scolding him, she's like, like lecturing him, which is like it was, high it was teacher, ex extremely Minnesota Philadelphia interaction. It was honestly, <laughs> don't you dare do this in my face, Go Birds, rude. <laughs> rude. Birds. Oh, it was hilarious. Somebody throws a full beer can. Yeah, it's we, we've got everything. <laughs> and on top of that, you know, there were there was for a short period of time, you know, brothers playing for each team, the Kendricks. Yeah, the Kendricks. Yeah, um, I think. Um, gosh, who's the Chase Matthews? Was that his name? The 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 lesser cousin uh, of Casey Clay Matthews. Matthews. Casey Matthews. Yeah, he's played for both teams. I think. Uh, um, there's a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. Jordan that. Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Marcus Abs. Hicks. Marcus Abs. Uh, uh, Anderson Deho, I think both fan bases hate him. Oh, yeah. His uh, corpse is still at Lincoln Financial Field. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah so we, we've got some stuff going on, man. It's a good time with Eagles-Vikings. Um, you know, obviously, week one in the books, Kirk Cousins on a, a Netflix documentary. Not great for all the quarterbacks that were on that in week one. Obviously, Mahomes loses, the Vikings mm -hmm. end up losing, and Marcus Mariota had one of the worst preseasons of his career. Um, yeah. So the, the Netflix QB documentary, give it like four weeks, but I'm working with a take that that is the new Madden. That's a curse? Yeah, wow, I like it. Well, I mean, all the quarterbacks turned it down, right? Yeah, they're so like, like, no, they, we're not going to do this. Not coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
talk to me about you know Vikings week one what kind of went wrong what do you think are some things that the Vikings have to figure out on such a short week coming into Philadelphia I mean honestly uh it was it was primarily turnovers right and it's not just turnovers it's turnovers at particularly inopportune moments like in the red zone right when it like really like it's not an arm punt right it's like oh you were about to score a touchdown and it got plucked out sort of stuff um because if you take a look at the underlying metrics right the stuff that's like stable from from game to game or year to year the vikings performed pretty well they averaged 5.9 yards per play on offense they held buccaneers to 3.8 uh yards per play on defense which is just uh really astounding marks in either direction um i believe over the course of the season the eagles averaged 5.9 yards per play last year so i mean that like tells you it's fourth best in in that metric in the nfl um if you cap epa for turnovers uh just for sustainability purposes um the vikings had one of the better ish performances of the week i mean no one's gonna top you know the way Tua played or anything like that but um or the way the matthew stafford played i guess um but it, it was up there like in net yards per attempt cousins was like sixth which is nuts to me um like there was a lot of good there but it, you just can't you can't throw interception. You can't fumble the ball. Um, some of the fumbles were fluky, right? So when um, Ed Ingram, the right guard, um, you know, he's moving on on a zone run, and he just, like, rips his arm back like he's a pulling guard, um, and it just knocks the ball out of Cousins' hands as he's pulling it from the center. Like, okay, that's that's not, like, Ed Ingram is a bad player, but that's not, like, a repeatable thing, right? That's not going to keep happening, probably. Uh, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah right yeah you gotta put it <laughs> i mean ingram has stepped on cousins's feet multiple times and has caused sacks like there's there's like some capacity for like weird error there so i don't want to like you know rule it out but unlikely that that's going to happen again but another fumble happened because um you know uh there was a blitz ingram i think probably didn't pick up the right guy but uh, there was a stunt pair to the blitz so it was like really difficult for the guards to figure it out uh, the running back picks up, you know, the inside most man, fine. Antoine Winfield comes in. There's a name. Uh, Antoine Winfield comes in and causes a strip sack, and Cousins doesn't have the ability to go to his hot route because his hot route is covered by a walling linebacker, right? And, like, okay, yeah, Cousins could make that decision a little bit faster, probably should move off of his hot and move to, you know, an out route or a comeback that was happening somewhere else on the screen, on the screen, on the field, to me, the screen. Um and okay, yeah, but I mean that's a really tough ask to move your eyes that quickly. Not a ton of quarterbacks can do that. Uh, and yeah, you got to figure that out. I think that the Vikings need to figure out kind of their responses to blitzes, and I think the Buccaneers demonstrated that it can create some problems. Uh, the interception occurred because Cousins threw it a little bit late and a little bit behind where he needed to. Totally understandable why he threw it a little bit behind because of the lurking safety, but just not the right decision in that moment. A little bit late. You got to figure out the timing. Um, the timing in the Kevin O'Connell offense and the rhythm has been an issue. It was covered up last year because the Vikings kept on winning these close games, fourth quarter comebacks. Cousins, in all opposition to everything we know about him, leads the league in fourth quarter comebacks, right? You can't count on that going forward, right? And so the the fact that he had a ton of rhythm and timing and a good understanding of the Kubiak offenses, the Stefanski offenses from the previous regime, that hasn't translated into this offense yet. And so you're kind of relying on the fact that Justin Jefferson like is that dude more than you are relying on the fact that it's a well-oiled machine. And when it's not a well-oiled machine and you've got, let's say, I don't know, a Darius Slay, you can't throw it to Justin Jefferson eight times because that's like two picks and four pass deflections or something like that, whatever it was last year. So, <laughs> um, you know, th those are kind of issues that you have to work through. But overall, it was okay from a projection standpoint. 
they lost the game. I'm not saying they didn't deserve to lose the game. They did. That's how football works. But in terms of trying to figure out kind of what's going on, what to, it was mostly fine. The defense played far better than I think a lot of people expected, which is really good sign because they were an awful defense last year. Vikings move on from some cornerstone uh, pieces over the last couple of years this offseason. Dalvin Cook now with the Jets, uh, Adam Thielen down in Carolina. How do you feel about Alexander Madison kind of being the guy now? It feels very kind of similar, but kind of different players as well with Ezekiel Elliott moving on in Dallas to Tony Pollard now taking the reins full-time. What are your expectations for Alexander Madison in a full-time role? Yeah, well, not Tony Pollard expectations, that's for sure. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the differences is that Pollard is just good. Madison is very functional. Um, and I think that that's the best way to look at him. He avoids negative plays. I thought he had a pretty good game against uh, the Buccaneers. Then I look at the yards per carry, and it's like 3.3. And I'm like, why did I think he had a good game? And it turns out his success rate was one of the highest of any running back in the NFL uh, this last week. So he wasn't getting a ton of yards. So like a lot of running backs get like above 4.2, 4.3 yards per carry by having the kind of game Madison did and then throwing in a 40-yard run. And that's kind of how that works. Madison is kind of not capable of those 40 yard runs that's just i mean like yeah he'll have one here or there but he's just not you know he doesn't have top end speed right he's got a fair amount of explosiveness and acceleration um that allows him to hit the hole pretty quickly it's how he avoids negative runs but he just after nine ten yards he's just pretty unlikely that he'd be able to do anything um and honestly i prefer that in running backs you just you're not gonna get like the really big plays your running back is never going to win you the game that way and obviously you know we've both followed legendary running backs that have had feast or famine styles adrian peterson LaShawn mccoy right like obviously it can lead to some spectacular wins right but i think on average over the course of a, a of a bunch of games having a guy who avoids negative plays can help the team more even if you don't really feel the effect right? Because you're getting second and six much more often than you were before instead of second and nine, right? Uh, And that allows the offense to stay kind of on its path. His success rate was like 45%. Christian McCaffrey averaged like 6.9 yards a carry. Nice. Uh, On a 42% uh, success rate, right? And, you know, obviously a lot of it, he had a huge run, which is like a big part of it. Um, But like a lot of it is just like, yeah, he's creating some negatives along the way. Worth it if it's Christian McCaffrey, but for a lot of backs, it's not. And if you're paying for a back like Madison as much as you are, it's like $3 million. Like avoiding negative plays is a huge benefit. So that's kind of where it is. I don't think he's going to be a threat. What we saw was pretty good vision, better than I thought he demonstrated last year. We'll see if that kind of carries moving forward. It is just one game. Uh, really good contact balance, which was kind of missing last year, but was there for most of his career with the Vikings. Uh, and just kind of a generally like a good sense of how to just get you know five or six yards. And then uh, he was able to to turn a, a two-yard um, screen, short pass in the flat, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he was split out wide, right? But he was a, a two-yard dump off into a, like an eight-yard touchdown. So like he does have some of that, right? Where well, he'll fall forward and get extra yards that were just not going to be there for a lot of backs. I don't know if it's just from the outside looking in, but I love KJ Osborne. I think he's one of the coolest players in the NFL. Like, I think it's long overdue that he is like meant to be this number two wide receiver for the Vikings. What does he bring to the table now that this is like his opportunity to be that full fledged number two now that Adam Thielen's gone? Yeah, well, I mean, he is competing with Jordan Addison, so we'll kind of see how that that works out, right? But 
Uh, it's interesting. He did not take a single offensive snap his rookie year. You know, fifth round pick doesn't take an offensive snap his rookie year. Wasn't a, really an asset on special teams either. You're kind of wondering what's going to go on. Has a tremendous training camp his second year. Pops onto the scene, 500, 600 yards. Last year, wide receiver three, only 500, 600 yards. So you kind of wanted him to take a next step. And now he's got a ton of opportunity available for him. And I think what's probably going to happen is that you end up with a lot more snaps for Osborne, but maybe a lot more yards for Addison by the end of the year. So how you define wide receiver two kind of. But overall, I mean, he is a good player. Like, it, like solid, right? And it's been a while since the Vikings have had a solid receiver, right? They've had a couple of stars, right? Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, obviously. And then those stars have been supported by a cast where you're just like, nah, I don't know. Um, it's been a while. Jarius Wright, I think, was the last time that they've had like a wide receiver three where they're like, yeah, that guy could probably start somewhere. That's nice. Doesn't have to, but that's nice. And Osborne is kind of in that category, right? And I think if we were, it was a couple of years ago, we didn't just have this insane influx of receiver talent. I think that he would be, you know, a starting receiver somewhere for like 900 yards. Not like he's not a 1200 yard guy, but like, I think that he is a, he's a capable, if, especially if you've got a good tight end, a very capable starting receiver. And, um, you know, he's got more speed than I think his combine numbers showed, which, I mean, they weren't bad combine numbers, but you didn't think of him as a deep threat. Um, and, uh, and he's a really capable and willing blocker. And which is one reason he's going to get a bunch more snaps than Addison, because the Vikings are a little bit more committed to this idea of running the football. Didn't do it a ton in week one. Um, but you know, the reason that you get Josh Oliver run two tight ends is so you get a little bit better play action. They eat a little bit better, your run blocking. And Osborne's actually a pretty big part of that as Thielen kind of lost the juice. I mean, Thielen's a very willing run blocker and often capable, but like sometimes the size, and he's not a small guy, but he's not a big guy. Sometimes the size would overwhelm him. And as he got more hurt over the course of his career, as he got a little bit of less uh, athleticism, it was no longer interesting to see him blocking linebackers. So seeing seeing Addison or seeing Osborne come in and seem very capable at that particular task was pretty nice because it gives the Vikings a lot of flexibility, a lot of scrimmage about how they're going to change their plays if they can kill a play or not and be comfortable that the play that they move to, um, whether it's a run or a pass, is something that has a pretty good chance of success. Now that you've got Josh Oliver there, now that you've got Osborne playing a pretty significant role, especially from the slot where you're going to have him block a lot more. Um He's a, he's a talented dude. He's like a pretty decent route runner. Sometimes he'll run routes at the wrong depth. That's still kind of a thing that he's got to work on. But um, he's he's got a good talent for kind of understanding what a defender is trying to do. He just needs to kind of sink that a little bit in terms of what the offense is trying to get him to do. And I think that's probably the next step there because overall, I mean, he's a he's a good player. But you know, there's areas where he could improve. But I, I really like uh, how he has evolved as a player over the years. And then, you know, you bring up Jordan Addison. What's kind of the expectation for him this year to really, you know, elevate this Vikings offense and give you guys, you know, three very solid, very valuable wide receivers from Justin Jefferson, Addison, and K.J. Osborne? Yeah, I think um, from from Addison, at least for the first half of the year, if not just for the year, um, it's going to be kind of as a complimentary guy that you're going to like, hey, we got three receivers out there, or hey, it's an obvious passing situation, so we're going to get, you know, him as the second receiver instead of Osborne or something like that. Um, and he provides kind of a compliment more than anything else to uh, Jefferson and Hawkinson, which is not to say they won't dial up a play for him here or there, but a lot of these plays seem to be kind of reliant on the gravity that both Hawkinson and Jefferson have, which you can kind of see, in the, obviously with Jefferson, but you can kind of see that Hawkinson is pulling defenders out of their zone landmarks just a little bit more than a typical tight end would. And, you know, rightly so, right? I mean, very good players. Um, but on the 39-yard touchdown that Addison caught, which I believe is his first NFL catch, um, 
it was because it was, I think it was against quarters and um, Jefferson uh, runs like a crossing route, occupies the safety um, underneath and Addison just kind of slips by him. Right. And that doesn't really happen. Obviously, the route combination is a big part of it. That doesn't really happen if Jefferson isn't just such like you're freaking out every time he's on the field. Right. And so if he doesn't have that gravity, I don't think Addison um, gets that touchdown. But the play was dialed up for Addison. It's even dialed up for anybody. Right. It was dialed up for Addison for a reason. He's got a fair amount of speed. Uh, and so I think that that's like going to be a big part of it. He comes out of USC as a pretty good route runner, um, kind of figuring out his route running technique and matching that within the framework of what the offense demands of him. That's going to continue to be a negotiation. Um, but for the most part, he got 60 yards, which, you know, over the course of a year, that's about a thousand. So um, a lot of it came on that 39 yard play, obviously. But I think that that's kind of what you're going to expect from him. A couple of targets, some of them super high value targets. Um, and they're going to take advantage of the fact that he's probably the fastest, like good receiver. There's faster receivers on the roster, but like the fastest, like good receiver on the roster that you kind of want to be like, Hey, we got to, we got to throw him out there. See what we can do. Justin Jefferson, obviously the, uh, the contract negotiations. Uh, we love that with wide receivers. Love it, What's yeah. your read on that whole situation? And do you think something eventually gets done? Yeah, I think something eventually gets done. Um, they, you know, they said that they weren't going to negotiate during the season, which honestly, I, I don't see like why not because like, I mean, it's an agent, right? Je- Jefferson is not walking into the negotiating office, right? Um, so it's not really a distraction, and it's not like it's not like Quizzy Dofomens is out there coaching, right? So, I honestly, I don't really get why not, but sure, fine. He has to scour the waiver wire and watch a bunch of, you know, pro players in case like the fourth running back goes down or something. Fine, okay, occupies your time. Um, I think that it will get done, though. Like, I think that everyone wanted it to get done, but I think um, my sense is that Jefferson was probably asking for just a little bit above market rate, which market rate for a receiver of his, I mean, the most money, that's the market rate, right? But, like, um, (laughs) it's like, you know, you take a look at the Nick Bosa contract, and it's like, I want more than that. And the Vikings would be like, yeah, I guess that makes sense, but not as much as you're asking kind of thing. And I, I think that probably the structure that his agent is proposing has a little bit less flexibility built in, in terms of like roster management, where the cap hits are and stuff like that. I think that that um, is where a lot of that comes from because the Vikings, obviously they value Jefferson a lot. I think the plan is always to pay Jefferson. Um, and I don't, I don't think that they're really going to come up with a, a huge problem, right? Because first of all, the Vikings do have a lot of leverage and Jefferson doesn't have a lot of urgency. Um, the Vikings have not just the fifth year option next year. They also have franchise tags and for a player of Jefferson's quality. The plural of franchise tags does apply here. I, I do not see why not. You would not apply a second franchise tag, which for people unfamiliar, you apply the franchise tag. It's the average. It depends on which franchise tag, but let's ignore that for now. Um, it's the top five of the salary, the position at receiver, average of that. Jefferson is worth more than that. Okay, great. And then next year, it's uh, 120% of that. Um, and uh, And... He's worth that too. He's worth 120%, whatever the, the, the third best receiver gets paid. So um, you can, you, you have that. And then Jefferson doesn't have a lot of urgency because he is the most marketable player in the NFL right now. It's like one is him, two is Mahomes, right? Um, like if you take a look at NFL media where, um, you know, Mahomes is featured or Jefferson is featured on like kind of the same platform, for example, the top 10 list, you know, I think, um, I don't remember where Jefferson was ranked in the top 10. Mahomes, I think was one. Jefferson was like three. I think Jefferson I was two. Jalen Hurts two. was three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> perfect. Right. <laughs> um, 
you take a look and you take a look at like the YouTube views or the number of likes, right? And and like Jefferson clears everybody by a lot, right? And then there's Mahomes. And Jefferson has tons of endorsement deals and whoever is handling his marketing is is doing a killer job, right? Because Jefferson's charismatic and magnetic and all that. But like you see him in a bunch of ads everywhere from local ads here um, to regional ads like High V to national, you know, exposure like Fortnite, right? So um, he has a lot of endorsement money coming in. So there's not a ton of urgency for him in terms of making sure all of the details of the contract are just so. And if you're the third best receiver or fifth best receiver or whatever, like AJ Brown, you're a top five receiver, right? AJ Brown doesn't get these deals, right? It's it's it is a very top heavy endorsement market, uh, and so there's just a little bit more agency for uh, urgency for a player like AJ Brown, where they have to do stuff like exercise their agency and move over and force a trade to the Eagles and get the deal there, or Stephon Diggs force a trade to the Bills, get a deal there, right? Um, you know, these are players that are very likable, but they're not Justin Jefferson. So it is a little bit easier for Jefferson to be like, I don't need to get this done right now. So I think they'll get a deal done. I don't think that there's any alarm here. It's just the structural forces at play would not suggest that a deal get done sooner rather than later. Jefferson can wait it out. The Vikings can wait it out. That's a pretty rare situation. Do you think part of the structure is he wanted part of his contract in V-Bucks to play more Fortnite? <laughs> I mean, you'd think, right? You gotta and get then, you gotta get your value out of it. Do you think the Vikings seeing him practice his touchdown celebrations and then subsequently putting it out in a social clip affected oh. the negotiations? Oh. I saw oh. your tweet and I couldn't agree more with that. I yeah, was, right. Come on, man. Debut that in the game. <laughs> Don't show your bag of tricks right away. Yeah, and it, it doesn't feel like like here's the thing. I know all these touchdown celebrations are like rehearsed and practiced, right? But it's like I don't need to know how the magic trick works. I don't need to see the sausage getting made. I already follow enough politics to see how laws get made. That sucks, right? <laughs> so like I just just do, I'll just pretend it was spontaneous and we'll all have a great time. And then later you can release a making of, right? And then we'll all be and and you get to credit the guy who invented the gritty. Awesome, he deserves the credit. But like you can you can spotlight him during the season after you scored a couple of touchdowns which that hasn't happened yet so let's you know but second um, <laughs> after you know because it looks it honestly without the adrenaline of a game it looks lame it just yes. does especially the new ones like in the game great everyone's fucking flying around love it right it looks like I'll one of those b-roll like uh clips from like dancing with the stars or like america's best dance crew it's like oh yeah. look this is this is how we were practicing to come out and show you our routine i didn't even see that <laughs> yeah so so, bad. so yeah but yeah um obviously the vikings were so disappointed with themselves when they tweeted it out with jefferson for participating in this farce that uh it just killed negotiations <laughs> um obviously justin jefferson and darius slay was a a fun matchup last season that you know Justin well, I don't know about the... fun. Fun is it? <laughs> For one of us, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who uh, Darius Slay is going to give an interception ball to this year because James Harden probably won't be anywhere close to Lincoln Financial Field this yeah, year. Right. Um, I mean, if he knows you... what's good for him, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll probably be hanging out with Bun B again, getting cheeseburgers with PJ Tucker. Um, how do you see that matchup? You know, Volume Two playing out this week with Justin Jefferson more than likely catching that Darius Slay matchup, especially since James Bradbury's in the concussion protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably Josh Joe playing instead. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, if if Darius Slay follows, I don't know uh, how often they follow versus play sides, um, especially you know new defensive coordinator. So I don't know, but I mean, I would I would expect Jefferson to be more successful than he was last time, but you know, it's kind of a low bar. Um, and Jefferson is an extremely talented receiver. I think that probably uh, seven and a half times out of ten, seventy five out of a hundred times, Jefferson wins that matchup more often than not. Um, but you know, the way that the Vikings played Jefferson, I thought was, was like a pretty rare game planning error from, from Kevin O'Connell and the way cousins played that because he stayed on his Jefferson reads a very long time in that game last year, like much longer than he did, like even two weeks later against the saints. Um, and I think that that made it a little bit easier for slay who doesn't need excellent reaction time but also just has excellent reaction time so that his length can always kind of play a role and i think also cousins kind of just miss even though he's played against slay a fair amount from his time with detroit um just kind of misjudged the amount of length that darius Slay can kind of bring to the table and i think that's a little bit less likely to happen um and you're probably gonna because there's a lot of jefferson to the outside of that game and it's easier to use the sideline as your friend in that situation um, or like in the end zone, usually the corner of the end zone is your friend in that situation. And I think they're probably just going to be like, yeah, we don't need as many of these throw it up go balls. Even though like Jefferson is this insane contested catch guy, um, we probably don't need to require that of him. And so I think they're going to move him around a lot. And I think that's probably going to help him um, get a little bit more. Is he is he going to get a uh, hundred and fifty yards like he did uh, this last week? Probably not. I mean, I I do think the Bucks secondary is very underrated. I think Carlton Davis is very good. I think Jamel Dean is quite good. Um, but, you know, it's a much better defensive line. I think the secondary is a little bit better with the Eagles, too. So um, I, I don't think 150 yards is likely. I think it's on the table, though, So which is, you know, says a lot about Jefferson. Yeah, plus Ed Reed Blankenship is over the middle there playing Ed safety. So. <laughs> Ed Reed in second gear? Yeah, okay. <laughs> More like neutral, but... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um. Do you think it helps or hurts that everyone now knows Kirk Cousins is aware of primetime Kirk from the Netflix documentary? Now that he has made it aware that he knows it's a thing, does that help or hurt Kirk Cousins? I, I think it kind of helps a little bit um, just because it's like I think I think when something is in the back of your head, it can bother you a lot more than when it's like, all right, it's not here. I got to deal with it. Right. Just like upfront and addressing it. Plus, I mean, like he did all right in primetime last year. So. I think like he's kind of shaking that loose a little bit and it's no longer like hanging like a sort of Damocles over his head or anything like that. So it's there. Um, you still want, you know, playoff wins, but I, you know, it's, I think primetime <laughs> Kirk, he's got one, he's got the saints, but uh, <laughs> I, I think that, I, I think that um, if anything, like if, if the Vikings continue to underperform on offense in this game, I think it's more gosh, four day turnaround, huh? Than it is um, ah, primetime. Last time these two teams played, TJ Hawkinson was still a Detroit Lion as well. Yep. Uh, from you know the the trade deadline to this offseason to through week one, what's the assessment been of Hawkinson for this team? It was kind of one of those like strange moves that everybody was like, "Why is Detroit trading you know one of their best players to a division rival?" Um, turns out it kind of it worked, worked. all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What is uh, TJ Hawkinson brought to the table for the Vikings? 
It's so weird. I, Detroit never struck me as like a 5D chess kind of team. They're always just like, ah, we'll power through, and we're good at that. And and then they do this, and it's like, I, I don't know how both teams got better, but all right. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, now they got Sam Laporta. Yeah, I mean, Hawkinson like, finished the year with like 900-plus receiving yards. I mean, maybe that's unimpressive to Eagles fans who've been treated to like Goddard and Ertz and uh, with Selleck before that, right? Like, it's, you know, they've had a good run. Let's not but, forget yeah. Philadelphia Eagle and Minnesota Viking L.J. Smith. <laughs> God. What a pull. I thought you were going to go with, like, what was his name? Trey Burton? What was is that? Trey That's Burton, a, yeah. Yeah, the quarterback. <laughs> but um, uh, Famously good Chicago Bear, Trey Burton. Yes. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, 900 yards for receiving a tight end. Uh, incredible. He uh, was second on the team in receiving in the games that he appeared in. Um, so, like, the final eight games of the season. Um a really good player and honestly when they traded for Hawkinson I was like hey he's a good tight end and by the end of the year I'm like yeah he's a top five tight end that rules um like he's really demonstrated that he's got a lot going for him obviously Darren Waller not playing last season made the comparison a little bit easier but you take a look and you're trying you're trying to identify who the top five tight ends are obviously Goddard's on the list but it's like you know Kelsey and Andrews and Kittle and it's like is Darren Waller on that list I don't know Evan Ingram's definitely not on that list um yeah, and then you're like, I just, maybe he's a top five tight end, and I think that he might be. Uh, what's interesting is that he was primarily perceived as a blocking tight end at Iowa until his final year there. Goes off for a ton of yards, classic Iowa story. Um, and then, uh, and then he enters the NFL, and he's no longer a blocking tight end; he's a receiving tight end. I think he's still got the chops as a blocker. Um, didn't do a ton of it with the Vikings. Also, it's easier to be told a route to run than it is to learn the whole blocking scheme midway through the season. So. Um, I think we'll probably see a fair amount of that. I thought he did all right as a blocker in the game. Um, so that that is an opportunity there. But, you know, primarily I think that, you know, like I said, he's the second receiver until Addison forces the issue. Uh, and right now I don't think he is. Um, so you got this, like, really great, um, you know, receiving threat that has the ability to go up the seam. Not a ton of tight ends can do that. And then when you take a look at, like, the way that this enables Jefferson, his – uh, so Jefferson's average depth of target down the field before Hawkinson arrived was something like 11 and a half yards, which is about average for receivers in terms of depth of target. And then it shot up to 15 in games that Hawkinson played in. And I think it's because he can occupy that underneath coverage. You don't have to worry about having that underneath option when Thielen is not getting open, when Osborne's your third receiver and he's just not having you know the greatest time. Again, good player, but there are just sometimes you need some precision. Um now you can send Jefferson deep, and you've got a really reliable underneath guy. So that's part of it. But we saw the Vikings use him in a little bit of a different way against the Buccaneers. They really wanted to test. It's not like the Buccaneers have bad linebackers either. They really wanted to test um, kind of what those linebackers would be able to do down the seam. And honestly, I would do that, against, the, especially with N'Kobe Dean injured. I would definitely do that against the Eagles. Yeah, and I mean, you look at just the Eagles' defense as a whole, that everybody going into the season has been – terrified of because somehow some way everybody let us draft Jalen Carter um thank you to the Chicago Bears <laughs> Howie Roseman got his uh University of Florida alumni card revoked for drafting all these Georgia Bulldogs so um, many dogs dude. <laughs> and undrafted dogs too come on trading for dogs DeAndre Swift is here he's yeah, back right. home you know <laughs> there's so many Every which way. Um, <laughs> how do you view this Vikings offensive line matching up against this defensive front that the Eagles are presenting? Going to get Geno Atkins out of retirement, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, I not good. It's not good um, for the Vikings. It's uh, rough. I mean, when you've got Fletcher Cox on a limited snap count, which, I mean, he played a fair amount of snaps last week, but I think he's not expected to play 50 per game going forward. Um, when you've got Milton Williams finally playing, like, fairly well as a rotational guy, when you've got Jalen Carter just showing up and just casually getting eight pressures on 34 pass rushing snaps. First snap of his career just burst through oh. the seam. Yeah. Um he had a pressure rate of 23-something percent. That's great. One out of every four pass rushing snaps, he's getting a pressure. That is crazy. And you've got Jordan Davis, who can still rush the passer, but is just, like, eating up these blocks. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this Vikings interior offensive, like, I really trust those tackles. I think you can make the argument that the Vikings have a better pair of tackles than the Eagles do, right? Like, it, it, it you know, it's maybe an uphill battle to make the argument, but I think he got it, right? Mm-hmm. Um but that interior is so – I would take the Eagles' backups over the Vikings' starters, at, which maybe that's not saying a lot. You got Tyler Steen, and, but you know what I mean, right? But, like, um, it, it is – like, Ed Ingram might be one of the worst guards in the NFL right now. Um, he's got, you know, like, I think the capacity to just cause sacks, I guess, on his own. Like, I, we got a question in our mailbag today. We haven't recorded the podcast yet, but we got a question in our mailbag today. It was like, can you compare Ed Ingram's season-long stats as somebody who causes sacks against first-round defensive tackles? And I was like, good Lord, man. Because he's caused three, right? Like, he, he, he sacked Kirk Cousins, right? Um, and then he also gives up pressure in addition to all of that. Can right? he yeah. lead the NFL in sacks? That's can, the real I, he's, I think with enough gumption, right? <laughs> You know, enough want to. It's there for him. Um, but, yeah, Garrett Bradbury is injured. I don't expect him to play in this game. So you've got Austin Schlotman in there who, I mean, cards on the table. There is the possibility that Schlotman is a better player than Bradbury, but that says more about Bradbury, I think. Um, but, he's I mean, he's a backup center going up against Jordan Davis, right? Like, I, I how could I possibly be optimistic about that? Uh, and then Ezra Cleveland, I'm more optimistic about than most Vikings fans. I actually think he's a fairly good guard. But it's like you've got like maybe an above average guard. You've got a reserve backup center who, even if we grant, you know, maybe he's the best backup center in the NFL or something like that, which it's probably Jurgens and you just make Tyler Steen play guard. But, you know, um, you've got the best backup center in the NFL. And then you've got maybe the worst guard in the NFL. It's, yeah. I, Fletcher Cox is like the rotational guy, man. Like, what are you supposed to do about that? Milton Williams finally has figured out how to play football. That's terrifying. <laughs> Brandon Graham is still kicking it. Brandon Graham 14. is still hanging out, right? It's like when Josh Sweat gets tired, Brandon Graham shows up? Come on. That's nuts, man. Derek Barnett is still on this roster. <laughs> okay, well, I, that, that, that one doesn't really bother me. Too much. That's, that's the wild part, though, is yeah. that you could still go down the list and like have like functional NFL players that are just sitting on the bench. Well, it's like, it's like, okay, so they've got Hassan Reddick and then somehow in the draft, they got him again. (laughs) (laughs) They just cloned him. Yeah. That's like, all right, well, okay, that's cool. That's I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not bothered. (laughs) I was, I was flabbergasted that Nolan Smith fell that far. The fact that the bears allowed us to draft Jalen Carter, just there you go. yeah, I mean, aside from Carter, like the thing is, like I did not think Keely Ringo was a first round corner. I did not think Nolan Smith was a first round edge rusher. Really, um, I could have been argued into it, but it's like certainly he was more than a third round edge rusher. Certainly, Keely Ringo was more than a fourth round corner. That's insane value, right? So, I don't know, man. I mean, I do the consensus board every year, and 
I mean, the Eagles managed to just sweep it every because it's like, oh, Nicobe Dean's available in the third round. I guess we'll just draft him or whatever. Like, yeah, you do that. <laughs> we'll just assemble one of the greatest college defenses of all time and yeah, I mean, piece they them even together like get, the Avengers. <laughs> you even managed to get value in the first round. Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis both went after their consensus board expectation. That's nuts. And then, you know, Devontae Smith, Heisman winner, top 10 pick. No big deal, right? And no he's, big. Yeah, he's just the second receiver. Howie Roseman realized the SEC existed and started to draft well, properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jalen Rager. <laughs> well, and and now and now the Eagles have the opportunity to prove like the Georgia defenders thing wrong, right? Because all these Georgia defenders are about to play pretty well, and like all 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 you have from these amazing Georgia def- uh, squads is like, yeah, Quay Walker got a really sick pick six, and then it's just like crickets. But now you got like Jalen Carter, Jacoby Dean's going to get significant snaps over the course of the season. I think he's out for a month or something, right? Yeah, right? like three to four weeks. Yeah. Um, but hey, his backup is so bad that when he shows up, great, good news, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we're signing former first round picks to our practice squad from the Titans, I'll take that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and looking at how this Eagles offense is constructed, you know, there's a stable of running backs that can come at you in a bunch of different ways obviously the the bat the team and targets are yeah. out there uh Devonte smith who now has dad strength look out um and <laughs> aj brown who just has pure man strength which is just absurd right. to watch yeah. him play football every week uh and i don't think dallas goddard will go another game this season with only one target so how do you view <laughs> this eagles offense and how they can come at you in so many different ways going up against this vikings defense the Brian Flores approach is that all of that stuff you said doesn't matter. Um, it's like true. Yeah, you know, like, it's like okay, yeah, your receivers are better than our corners. You know, tell me something new. We're gonna hit the quarterback, um, which great. I'm, I'm glad. I, I think trying to just win the coverage game by just being better at coverage with the players that the Vikings have um, a lot of potential, right? But not like proven talent like i like byron murphy so maybe that's an exception but like i think makai blackman played well but he's a rookie third rounder i mean he's potentially even smaller than devonta smith right um and yeah i mean he plays as physical as you'd want a guy in that position to play but there's a limit to that right um caleb evans fourth round pick from last year um i like him but in the way that i like potential more than i think i mean he played all right i think that he made some mistakes against the bucks and you know, Mayfield just wasn't good enough to punish that. Right. So um, that's not where that game is is going to happen for the Vikings. It's going to be sending, you know, six players, seven players sometimes after the quarterback. And apparently on occasion, if, you know, all the Dolphins guys are right, eight guys after the quick, who knows? Right. Um, but I mean, the Vikings blitz like 55% of the time against the Buccaneers, 55% of the time. That's crazy. I mean, uh, Flores has led the league in blitz percentage. The only team they've ever been behind, I believe, is the Buccaneers, which so, you know, last week was kind of a crazy week in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just going to send guys. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, Lane Johnson versus Daniel Hunter is an cr- incredible matchup. Two extremely athletic, extraordinarily skilled and talented players that know their position really well. But also, hey, if we can get Daniel Hunter lined up against, uh, you know, Kelsey or whoever, we'll do that. We'll do it against Jurgens, right? Um, that kind of thing. And they're gonna like they're gonna spin people around. You've got, you know, you've got your edge rushers lined up in the A gap. Sometimes uh, it's 
that's what the defense is about. You're playing off uh, cover one man behind it, hoping you can make the tackle, which most of the time works out. A.J. Brown, don't know about that. But most of the time it works out. Force these quick throws and in the meantime, get a couple of quarterback hits. in. And hey, quarterback's going to get hit a lot. I mean, the Eagles like to run QB power, right? So that, I mean, that guy's just going to get hit. So um, that's the idea is like, yeah, okay, Dallas Goddard is really good. He's, he's a better tight end than any linebackers in coverage for the Vikings. That doesn't matter. It's like, that's the kind of idea. How often it works out, I don't know. They, the Vikings love playing with fire. There are blitzes where they intentionally just leave dudes completely uncovered. And it, I'm like, it's psycho behavior. Like, I'm, what? Like, I was talking to, um, like just yesterday, I was talking to a guy who um, who coaches Division Three football. Um, and he was like, yeah, I really love the Flora stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, do you, do you use it? And he's like, I'm way too terrified. <laughs> just like, I, I, I get it. Yeah, great. So they, they they play with fire a lot. We'll see if that works out. When the Dolphins had all right talent in 2020 defensively, they had Xavier Howard, right? And Byron Jones is like, was good, right? Um, but they had like okay talent across the board defensively. They rank like sixth in EPA and second in points. Like this can work out. Yeah, it's going to be a very fun matchup, especially on a short week too, to just see how, especially yeah. from the Eagles perspective with two new coordinators, how they plan everything on a short week that's what i'm most intrigued about is just seeing mm -hmm. how they bounce back from a very mediocre start uh to their careers as coordinators yeah i mean um, hopefully it'll rain again on thursday so we can see yeah more it'll be that. you yeah. know let's let's just let it when it rains it pours right yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh what's the one matchup you know you mentioned daniel hunter versus lane johnson is that kind of the matchup you're looking forward to the most in this one uh probably i mean i think jefferson slay is like is like the on on the other side of the ball is the one that it's going to catch the most attention but i think hunter versus johnson is probably the best matchup on on the defensive side of the ball like you know i there's a bunch of pieces on the vikings that are like interesting and that i like and you know hey harrison smith versus dallas goddard will be kind of fun this time um <laughs> <laughs> you know um you know there's like a bunch of but like i think primarily that matchup daniel hunter versus lane johnson is is going to be the one that like really gets the juices flowing. Like Ivan Pace is going to play a lot of snaps as undrafted rookie linebacker had an outstanding preseason took more snaps than the guy that like the Vikings had Brian Asmoah, who they basically said was the starter at the beginning of the, of the springs, rolled them out into press conferences and not just like pressers meaty veil, but it's like behind the lectern type stuff, right? Like this guy's the starter and Ivan Pace just shows up and he's like, I'm five ten and I blitz a lot. And he just and he wins the job, I guess. Uh, so. Brian Flores is like my man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all right, <laughs> short high tower, let's go. You know, um, yeah. And he played like a fifty some odd snaps. Depending, like Brian Asmal played like three snaps. So that's uh, that's it. Um, so we're gonna see him blitzing a ton. Um, Jordan Hicks blitzed a fair amount, which I mean, he's got the body type and athleticism to blitz really well. I don't know that he has all of the tools like technique wise to blitz really well, but sometimes it's all you need depending on who you match up against. Like um, actually Boston Scott's not as, as bad of a pass blocker. I was going to throw that out there, but um, you know, giant if, slayer. Yeah, right. <laughs> but like, you know, if, if it's like uh, actually Deandre Swift, if it's like Deandre Swift out there, I could see Jordan Hicks just boop, just like rolling over him. Right. I mean, he's six, four. Right. So um, I mean, you, you know, but, like, yeah, so I, that's kind of how that – but, like, I think it's primarily the Hunter-Johnson matchup. 
Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. And uh, as we always do, we end with a fun question. And no free ads, but this one is on uh, Prime for Thursday Night Football. Who do you think is the most notorious Amazon Prime user on the Vikings? Notorious Amazon Prime? Like, it's just always ordering, always has the boxes with a big old smile on their face showing up either at the facility or at their house. I think if Amazon had delivered on the vague promise they'd had to have, like, deliveries by drone it would be justin jefferson i think he would <laughs> lose his mind and just do that as often as possible he'd wait in his driveway just waiting yeah right it's just like you know that's why everyone loves him he's got like the sense of like child yo it's dropping in this like Fortnite. yeah <laughs> <laughs> didn't even think about that <laughs> um i think i think uh the least notorious i think it would be like kirk cousins for example just goes out and buys his own stuff right yeah, like, he goes like, to Curry. He's exactly. Like, he, he goes to he's Kohl's. notorious for using Kohl's cash. Right. Exactly. I mean, like actually, right? Like his wife gave him Kohl's cash. Like, okay. He's, he's got a Kohl's black card. A Kohl's black. <laughs> <laughs> Get a deal on the you know three uh, three uh, you know like a, a three pack of like these button down flannel. You know, he's perfect. probably the only person who has a metal Kohl's credit card. Um, God, just throw it, just throw it around, throw it on the, on the table. table. Yeah, um, I think Jordan Addison is up there. I mean, that dude loves stuff. Um, and I, for, so personally, I do not judge players at all for enjoying themselves because you can be financially responsible and buy a Lambo. That is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not a financially responsible decision, but you can, on the whole, be financially responsible and do that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's not shade to Jordan Addison, but that dude loves stuff. And I, I, I think that he sees a gadget on Amazon Prime and he is there. He is 100% like, oh, man, it it's a humidifier and a towel. Who? Wh- what's the downside? You know, like he's like the seagulls from Finding Nemo. Yeah. Mine, mine, mine. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think, I think he, uh, I, I think he's probably the Amazon Prime guy. I like that. I like that. Arif, you're the best. I always look forward to when the Eagles play the Vikings. And as long as we both keep finishing in first place, it'll continue happening. Um, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just there's the match. Finish in first place and so we can fuel this rivalry. Uh, <laughs> let everybody know uh, where they can check out everything you're doing now with Substack and uh, follow along with everything you're doing covering the Vikings. Yeah, so my Substack is wide left, which I guess now means a little bit more to other fan bases, but meant a lot to the Vikings because of how many times kickers have missed crucial kicks wide left. Um, and also a reference to my politics, I'll be honest. But like wide left, wideleftpost.substack.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Arifasan NFL. You can find me on threads at Arifa Masan, Blue Sky, Arif.bsky.social. Got there early, so I got just my first nice. name um and yeah i'm sure there's some other random social media site that i'm on that i don't know about yet but (laughs) um, (laughs) i just forgot right but yeah you can find all my stuff i post everything to to those sites but yeah primarily uh it's over at the Substack. even when i do freelance stuff for other sites i'll post links to it through the Substack. you're the best man looking forward to uh thursday night where i'm sure we'll be on carson wentz the jets watch uh in the process 100 i think both of us (laughs) would be losing a euphoric about that we, possibility. We may post simultaneously just selfie videos from our phones just <laughs> tackling like Stephen A. Smith whenever the Cowboys lose. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, like, like Carson Wentz says, God willing, you know? <laughs> AO1, everybody. AO1. AO1.
Big thank you to Arif for hopping on the show once again this year. It's always a blast talking Eagles-Vikings with him. We always have a good laugh about so many things. And we can't wait for Carson Wentz to sign with the Jets during Thursday Night Football because it's the most Carson Wentz thing to absolutely happen. If you like what you heard and saw on this episode, make sure you guys follow us at UndergroundPHI, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads. Follow me on Twitter at KPIZZL311. And like I mentioned, Arif... Writes for his own Substack. Support independent content creators like ourselves and like our good pal Arif. His Substack is linked in the description on YouTube and in the audio version of this podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Leave a five-star rating and review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Smash that like button. Ring the bell icon. Comment down below your thoughts on this matchup, what the X Factor is going to be, and who do you think is the notorious Eagles player who uh, uses Amazon Prime the most? No free ads. Uh, and be sure to get your merch, phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. And this has been Season 6, Episode 2. I think it's overall Episode number 93 of Eagles Enemies. We're approaching 100 episodes of a mini series. Uh, right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Once again, thank you to Arif Hassan. We'll be back heading into Monday Night Football. We got a nice little mini-buy going into week three as the Eagles head south to take on Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But enjoy Thursday Night Football, and uh, we'll see if the Eagles are flying high at 2-0. and going into Monday Night Football. But until then, I'm KB. This has been Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Getting the heck up out of here. And as always, Go Birds! Go Birds!